Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. We're glad you can join us as Pastor Dane Skelton shares a weekly message to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Dane. If you will return to Philippians chapter 4 in your Bibles, and imagine with me that you were born in 1900. Imagine that you were born in 1900. When you were 14, World War I began, and it ended when you were 18. You might have even been drafted into that war, but it ended when you were 18 with 22 million people dead. Soon after that, a global pandemic, the Spanish flu, appeared, killing 50 million people. But you survived that and you were alive and you're 20 years old. When you're 29, you had been through the roaring 20s, seen one of the best economies that the world had ever seen at that time, only to go through the global economic crisis that started with the New York, the collapse of the New York Stock Exchange, causing inflation, unemployment, and famine, and also launching the career of one Adolf Hitler and other socialists in the world. When you're 33 years old, Hitler comes to power in Germany. When you were 39, World War II begins and ends when you were 45 years old with 60 million dead. In the Holocaust, 6 million Jews plus many others were just flat out murdered by the Nazis with no chance to fight back. When you were 52, the Korean War Began And by that time, probably your sons or daughters might have been drafted into the war. And that war, by the way, never officially ended. When you're 64, the Vietnam War begins and your grandchildren might be being drafted into it. And it ended when you were 75. The world has always been a tumultuous, anxious place. And it will always be that way until Christ returns. In his 2003 book, Deadly Emotions, Understand the Mind-Body-Spirit Connection that Can Heal or Destroy, Dr. Don Colbert explains that fear has been associated with a wide variety of diseases, including cardiovascular disease and hypertension, digestive tract diseases such as colitis and Crohn's and irritable bowel syndrome and ulcers, headaches and skin disorders such as psoriasis and eczema and stress acne. Fear can cause a decreased immune response, which may lead to frequent infections or the development of deadly disease. Fear can precede a heart attack or even death. No matter what is happening in our world, it is not God's will that his people live in fear and anxiety. Because he loves us, God has provided us with a way to overcome our anxieties and our fears, even in troubled times. And so we began with part one of that message last week with Philippians chapter four, verses four and five. And let me just recap that quickly here. Number one, the secret to Peace in troubled times is rejoice in the Lord. The rejoicing massages the heart. It puts us in an attitude of worship where we can connect with God. And worship is key. And if you'll remember, I said 
We have to do that out loud. Doing it out loud matters. Number two, focus on the Lord, verse five, because he is right at the door. Paul says he's right there. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He may return at any moment. From God's viewpoint, the next great event in the kingdom of heaven is the return of the king. And because God is outside of the space-time box, if you were to take this water bottle and think of it as every, th every physical thing in the universe, the universe itself, God exists outside the space-time box. He's not trapped inside of it. He's not linear. I like to say God's not linear. He's digital. He's outside of all that. And so everything in the physical universe is present time to him. So when he says Jesus is at the door, he's at the door all the time. The Bible views the whole time from Christ's conception up until the day that he returns as the last time. We live, therefore, in the last time. So the apostle anchors us by reminding us to be daily worshipers and rejoicing in all that God has done in Christ for us and by helping us stay connected to the fact that Christ is always imminent. He is always right at the door. A lady from Tennessee tried to help her, her uh, son understand this. He dropped his juice on the kitchen floor. He's three years old. He dropped his juice on the kitchen floor. And you know how three-year-olds are. I said, I want to help mommy. So he runs to the back door going out on the porch to grab the mop. And he gets to the back door and he realizes it's dark out there. And so he says he's afraid to go out in the dark. And his mom says, honey, don't worry. Jesus is always there. He's always at the door. And so the little boy put his face up to the door and said, Jesus, if you're out there, would you give me the mop? <laughs> you know, some of us just need to be confident that Christ is always at the door. And go ahead and stick our hand out there and grab the mop. So let's continue with part two. Chapter four, Philippians, verses six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the apostle is taking us deeper into the mechanism, the practical steps that we can take to have peace in troubled times. Remember I said last week, this is not a magic formula. This is not something that we recite over and over as some sort of a ritual or a, 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 a potion or a, the correct saying, what am I, an incantation. This is not something that we do and just say it over and over again to have peace. These are actual practical steps that God has given us so that we will have peace. So it may help us to understand this a little bit better if we understand some of the sources of anxiety. First, when we perceive a threat, whether it is real or just perceived, when we perceive a threat against our physical persons, against our jobs, our, our financial safety, or anything like that, we have anxiety. As the only child of a single mother, Janice felt that she was born to be a scapegoat. She never knew what would happen when her mom would come home after a day at work because it was often some combination of yelling or blaming or judging or hitting or ridicule. And as an adult, 
Janice carried that anxiety with her into all of her relationships. She became tense even when there was nothing to be anxious about. When she would meet someone new, she never knew. She had this internal anxiety all of the time because of what she grew up with. She's perceiving a threat that probably wasn't there. Second kind of anxiety is caused by separation, real or perceived. I've mentioned a story about a friend of mine named John, that's not, that's not his real name, who maybe 25 years ago, his wife walked in and after 20 years of marriage said, I don't love you anymore, I'm out of here, she leaves. He said his first response was, I got up and immediately went and threw up. It just threw him into an incredible state of sickness and anxiety. John recovered eventually and he remarried, but a lot of people don't recover from something like that. And they live with separation anxiety for the rest of their lives. They can't recover. The pain is too deep, the rejection is too much to absorb, and the uncertainty that it might happen again is so powerful that they become frozen in the moment, paralyzed by fear and anxiety. And that kind of anxiety makes it impossible for us to grow and to overcome and to build. There are a lot of other types and sources of anxiety. Let me just mention one more, psychologically induced anxiety, and that is conflict, unresolved conflict can create a lot of anxiety for us. Debbie discovered that a crime had occurred where she worked. So she thought, she felt convicted, she thought she ought to confront the perpetrator, but she was afraid of this perpetrator. She was a very powerful personality and she was afraid of her. She also thought, so that's conflict one, she also thought that she should tell her boss about the crime that happened in her workplace. But she knew her boss was best friends with the perpetrator. She didn't know how the boss might react. So she was anxious about that. She was stuck between these two alternatives. And then there was a third one. What might happen if someone else found out about it and reported the crime and she might be implicated in a cover-up? So there was conflict in her soul that she could not resolve between these two or three options. And that caused anxiety for her. So there are all kinds of causes for anxiety. Those are just a few. The question is, how do we deal with anxiety? And the Apostle, the Apostle Paul gives us two more practical steps. Two more practical steps. And you can boil it down to this. Stop agonizing and start praying. Stop agonizing and start praying. So number one, let's talk about stop agonizing. In verse 6, the Greek construction of that sentence is... A prohibition makes it a prohibition. It is in the imperative mood. The verb form there is imperative, which forbids the continuance of an action already habitually going on. So what was happening is the Philippians were habitually worrying and anxious. And Paul says, stop being anxious. He says, and, he, and when he says, be anxious for nothing, the, the literal word there is be anxious, literally not even one thing. Nothing. Be anxious over not one thing. So step one, you can almost say it like this. Grab the reins of your mind and all your anxious thoughts and pull back on those reins. 
You and I as human beings have the ability to do that. Animals, horses can't do that. Dogs can't do that. Cats can't do that. No other creature on earth has the ability, the volitional ability, to grab the reins of its mind and haul back on those and, and say, you can stop being anxious. Now, let me give you a clue. Your body may continue to feel the feelings of anxiety, but your mind doesn't have to go with it. And there are many physiological sources. We talked about psych some psychological sources, sources of anxiety. There are physiological sources as well. Your body can be going crazy with anxiety, and basically anxiety is just the ignition, the igniting of your fight or flight response inside that's designed to either help you battle off an enemy or run away from one. Your body can be going crazy on the inside and your mind does not have to go with it. There can be physiological sources to your anxiety. Uh, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you, I am super sensitive to all kinds of chemicals of all types. I found out a long time ago, I learned the hard way, that I'm super sensitive to Benadryl. If I take, if I take Benadryl for more than a couple of days, two things happen. Number one, while the Benadryl is working, I tend to be depressed. And when it's wearing off, I get jittery and anxious, and just about anything can set me off. I think I told you a story last week that my older brother uh, lost his mind literally lost his mind for a while. What we found out later was that was probably precipitated, not completely responsible for, but probably precipitated by some blood pressure medication that a doctor put him on when he was 39, the first time he'd ever been on blood pressure medication. And the doctor put him on this, and like within a few weeks, he went off the deep end. And he never was the same after that. It's funny, that happened in about 1996, and so our family was in upheaval over that. We moved here in 1997, and one of my best friends, Steve Cotter, became one of my best friends. He was the elder that led the search team that brought me here. Steve had been the hospital pharmacist over here at the hospital for 20 years at that point, and I was telling him about my brother and the experience that we had. And I mentioned, you know, this didn't happen to him, until the doctor put him on blood pressure medicine. And Steve said, what kind of blood pressure medicine? And I said, well, it was something called a beta blocker. He said, oh, well, all pharmacists know that about 20% of people who take beta blockers have an adverse mental and emotional reaction. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, I'm not. Our bodies can respond to all kinds of physiological things that will create the feelings of anxiety inside of us and in our heads we'll be going something's wrong something's wrong something's wrong I have to fix it when really it's all coming from inside you'll be looking for an external source and it's coming from the physiological reaction to your body to some kind of substance so you need to start identifying how your body reacts to certain things our gut microbiome Various chemicals that we consume, thyroid problems, all kinds of stuff like that can contribute to the feelings of anxiety that may or may not have an actual circumstantial source. So grab the reins of your mind, and you can do something like this. Self, your body feels anxious right now. 
But it might be reacting to some sort of chemical, or it might be reacting to fear, or it might be reacting to face news, fake news. So just calm down, self. This may or may not be reality, and there's no reason for you to run with this anxiety until you know where it's coming from. God has given us a will. We're the only creatures on earth who have the volitional ability to say, my body feels this way, but I will not go there. And we can choose to calm down. Your heart may be racing, but your mind does not have to go with it. We're going to be here extra time today. I hope you're okay with that. Because this is just too important. Step two. First, stop agonizing. Step two, start praying. Start praying. Pray about what? All things. Leave nothing out. Pray about all things. He doesn't say about only pray about the important things. No, he says about pray about everything, all of it, your whole life. Talk to the Lord about your whole life, even the stuff that you don't think he would think is important. Talk to him about it. Sometimes we think we are praying about all things when we're not. What we're doing is we're praying about one thing in order to avoid praying about something else that's more important. We're not praying about everything else. We're praying about external circumstances, pardon me, when we need to be praying about internal realities, something deeper, something more important. Dr. Colbert, who I mentioned earlier, describes a condition that he calls overcare, he sees in some of his patients. And that's when a person over-identifies with or becomes over-attached to what he cares about. So he describes one of his patients who was like that. Brandy was a pretty woman with a personality that lit up whatever room she entered. Everybody loved Brandy. So why did Brandy, who was approaching 50 years old at the time that I took her in as a patient, why was she not married? Why could she not have a successful relationship? Because she wanted one desperately, but when she finally landed a guy, I thought that was an interesting way to put that, when she finally, like we're fish, when she finally landed a guy, she sent him running for the nearest exit with her overcare. Here's what she would do. She began every relationship with a premature assault of calls, gifts, letters, notes, and other tokens of affection. She met all his relatives, called all his friends, and made connections with all of his connections. And once, while dating a man that liked country music, she began to wear denim and cowboy boots and bought a horse, and she'd never been on one in her life. Brandy needed to be talking about, to God about why she behaved that way, not why men kept running away. She need to be needed to be talking about all these internal realities instead of the external, what's this guy doing and why is he doing it? God wants us to use our anxieties as jumping off points to grow us up in Christ. He wants to take us to the source of our worry. That's why Paul says, pray about all things, everything in your life. Whether you feel anxious about it or not, pray about it. 
Talk to the Lord about it. And you don't have to be formal. It's just like as you're walking down the street or you get up in the morning or you're having your cup of coffee or it's after dinner and you're sitting by the fire, just say, Lord, here's what happened today or here's what's running through my mind. And just talk to him about everything. Because he can't help us if we aren't willing to unburden ourselves or unveil our inner lives to him. He can't help us. That is why talking to him about everything is so important. We just get it all out on the table so that he can sort it out with us. When we have anxiety, we need to be asking God to help us understand the roots, what we are avoiding, the things that are going on inside of our lives that are strange to us. I've been a pastor. I was ordained in 1992, so do the math. However long that is, that's how long I've been doing pastoral ministry. So I was 32. And so all those years, across all those years, here's one of the things that I discovered. Most of us have to come to grips with all the internal stuff and junk down inside of us it usually hits somewhere around age 35. Youth and passion and vigor and energy and drive and careers and all that stuff take up too much of our energy until we hit about our mid-30s, maybe pushing 40. And that's when all the stuff on the inside starts to come to the surface. And unless we deal with it in a healthy way, we can be stuck in these patterns the rest of our lives. God wants us and has given us the tools to, to begin dealing with these things. So first, grab the reins of your mind and pull back. Second, start praying. And the word prayer here is, it's just the general word for making requests known to the Lord. And that includes this, the, the concept of adoration and worship, which we talked about last week. But let me give you just a couple of uh, We'll call them uh, prayer starters that are in the scriptures. So write this down. Psalm 139, verse 23. Psalm 139, verse 23. And Psalm 57, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 57, verses 1 through 3. Here's Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God. And know my anxious thoughts. Search me and, pardon me, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me, O God. Lord, turn your light on my soul and on all my thoughts. And know my anxious heart. Lord, see me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any. Now, some translations put wicked and that immediately turns us off. It's like, I'm not sinning. But I think I, I prefer the translation. See if there be any wayward thing inside my heart. Wayward gives us more of an impression of, Lord, just show me where I'm off the path. 
where my mind is running in places that are just not true. Show me. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. I promise you, here's what God will do. Remember what I told you before. When you begin to pray, you've got to start watching and listening for how God is going to answer that prayer because his answers usually come in in ways that we don't expect. But you've got to start watching and listening. So you pray that prayer and you watch and you listen. And here's what will happen. Somebody will recommend a book to you or you'll hear a podcast or you'll hear a sermon or somebody that in your small group will share a story or you'll read something about how, you know, how beta blockers have this effect on 20% of the people who take them. Something like that will happen And what will happen first in your mind is you'll go, oh, isn't that interesting? And you'll go, wait a minute. I was praying about that two weeks ago. And that'll, guys, that'll be so encouraging because you'll realize the God of the universe is hearing my prayer and he's pointing me to solutions, to answers to my questions. So, Lord... Search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts and show me what's going on. Help me get to the heart of it. Maybe you need to go talk to a counselor. That's okay. Find a good one. Go do that. Second prayer of an anxious heart. Psalm 57 verses 1 through 3. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me for my soul trusts in you. In the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. What's he doing there? What's the psalmist doing? Father, I trust you. I cannot control, Lord, the people or the circumstances that are around me or the possible outcomes of the situation. Lord, I confess I have no control over that. But you do. And I take my refuge in you and you alone. I trust myself. I trust the people. I trust the outcomes to you even if they're not the outcomes I want, even if my friend or my child dies. I trust the outcome to you. Show me what I can change about myself, Lord, because I recognize I can't do anything about this situation. Show me what I can change about myself, Lord, And I will kill myself obeying you. I'll concentrate on me and nothing else. On what I can do. Men and women, those are two of the most powerful prayers you can ever pray. If you suffer from this kind of anxiety. So Paul gives us these incredible tools and then he breaks down further this further into two more pieces. He mentions the word supplication or petition with prayer and petition. 
and with thanksgiving, he says. Petition or supplication is earnest prayer over our specific problems. So you start out with worship, you start out with these prayers of, of searching and examine, examination, and then you get down finally to the specific problem, whatever the specific external situation is. And we get the idea somehow that God's not interested in these things, but that's not true. God, we get the idea that God doesn't want to hear about our little stuff. That's not true. He wants to hear about all, in all things, Paul says. Now, all means that rent payment that you don't have. It means the college professor that hates you. It means the alternator that you need for your car. It means your daughter's problem that you can't solve. All means everything. All things. You would laugh if I told you about some of the stuff that I talk to the Lord about and that I have a level of anxiety over. And I, you know, I just learned to tell him everything. Some of you know that, um, most of you know, because I'm such a whiner, that um, I really hurt my back a few months ago. And I mean, I went through the whole shmeal. I got the steroid, the epidural steroid injection. In fact, I've had two of those. I went through four weeks of physical therapy. Um, and both of those things helped a little bit. But I always, I still had what I call my warning buzzer in my back, right back here. And if I knew that if I pushed it, if I did too much, that thing was gonna go off and I was gonna be right back in the situation where I was. I've also been concerned because and part of all that came from the fact that I've had a desk job for 30 years now and I got lazy. And I was flabby and overweight and out of shape. And I was running out of breath even like trying to mow my lawn. And so I was praying about it. Lord, I, my back still hurts. I'm running out of breath. I hardly have the strength I need to crank my chainsaw. And you know that I am lazy and that I hate going to public gyms and I'm not self-motivated enough to really, and I'm overweight and I need to do something about this. Lord, I really need a trainer. I, and I don't know where one's gonna come from because I'm not gonna join some club. So the trainer moved in across the street. Nice young man, about 30 years old. He's the age of one of my kids. We're talking one day, he said, I would love to help you. It's not even charging me. I've been working with him for three weeks. He's been killing me. I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning and working out. That's not workout time, that's coffee time. Here's what's happened in like, I'm thinking it's been three weeks, not four. I haven't lost any weight, but this is the first time I've been in these pants in three years. I've got energy, I worked all day outside yesterday and was not, and I didn't hurt and the warning buzzer in my back is gone. Now, I don't know about you, but I call that an answer to prayer. Talk to him about everything, and then just listen and watch. Here's what we're doing when we do this. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble 
yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's what we're doing. We are obeying that command. That's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. And finally, thanksgiving. Worry about nothing, pray about everything, and be thankful for anything. Be thankful for anything and express that thanksgiving out loud. This is great because this is one more of those places where science is catching up to Scripture. You know, how long ago did Paul write this? 2,000 years ago? Listen to the latest research. Practicing gratitude boosts the immune system, bolsters resilience to stress, lowers depression, increases feelings of energy, determination, and strength, and even helps you sleep better at night. In fact, few things have been more repeatedly and empirically vetted than the connection between gratitude and overall happiness and well-being. But here's the thing. A research survey revealed more than 90% of people think gratitude makes you happier and gives you a more fulfilled life, but less than 50% actually practice expressing gratitude. I mean, that's humanity in a nutshell. We know what's good for us, we won't do it. Look around you. I will bet that before you get home this afternoon, you could think of a hundred things to express gratitude to God about. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity picked up on the reason that this works. God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. And that is why it is no, just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is just no such thing. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much. You've not left us in the dark. You've given us, you've given us all this truth and showed us how to live. Father, help us to listen and obey. And for those, Lord, who might be listening to this podcast one day, grant them the ability to just humble themselves and say, Lord, I've been trying to do my whole life without you, without any reference to you at all. Forgive me, please. Come into my life and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.